Welcome to the Tangled Tanuki Bonsai Podcast. I want to welcome everybody back. Today we're with uh, Jonas Dupuy. We're going to sit down, uh, we're focusing on topics uh, related to the beginner from where I'm starting basically and Jonas has been kind enough to come on the podcast. He has his own website uh, called Bonsai Tonight. I think that's also a little bit of a play of the words if I remember correctly, Jonas. That's right. There used to be a magazine called Bonsai Today, and we um, thought it might be funny to start kind of an alternative to Bonsai Today that was nothing but caddy gossip. But uh, so I bought the name, and then a few years later, I ended up making it an educational website, and I've been working on that for over 10 years now. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I like the fun that you have throughout your creations on the website and the podcast also you've got bonsai wire it's also got the playful adverts that you guys insert into there it's not coming at it from a serious angle which is something that really really attracts me to your way of teaching and especially the blog that's full of information is there like a reason why you you don't take yourself so seriously or everybody <laughs> seems to always be so serious but you seem to be like taking that other approach which is which is quite refreshing it's kind of funny that you say that maybe i'm just a silly person that might be it 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 is hard work and serious work to do good quality work on good trees. That's that's serious business. But in the end, it's all a hobby. This is something we do to take our minds off other things to get us closer with nature. The whole lot of things can come to our practice with bonsai. And that doesn't need to be serious 100% of the time. Um, I enjoy doing things when I'm having fun. And I think that just carries over to the tree work, whether it's repotting, styling, or just talking about it with friends as we do on the podcast. I love the atmosphere that you guys bring, uh, especially when you're talking about bonza. It makes you want to go and pick up a tree and start working and just enjoying it. And that's actually one of the ways that I found you, a list of 10 things that uh, beginners should try and keep in mind. I'd really like to know a little bit more how you came to this list. What was maybe the most important things on this list? If you could even round it down to like three things, maybe. Oh, it's a good question. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to my, when I'm pressed for time, I don't like doing the same things again and again and again. And what I found was that I was answering a lot of the same questions again and again, especially with people who are new to bonsai. And as I poked around, I found there weren't resources that I could point people to that would help them keep their trees healthy. And so when I think of what are the top things I want for people in bonsai, I think I want them to keep their trees healthy. Apart from how they look, apart from what they're doing with it, apart from the species, the location, any of that, if the tree is healthy, you have a, a chance to make improvements over time. And so that's why I started writing a series of posts aimed at how to keep trees healthy. And that grew into a list of 10 posts. And that actually was part of the kernel of the first book that I wrote, which was all about suggesting how do we keep a tree healthy? And then just basic introductions to different techniques. As a beginner, there's so much that we need to sort of take on board. And then there's the shiny tools, the pretty pots that you need to look at, and these big trees and small trees, the terminology. So this list really sort of just took all of that noise out and really focused on the basics that you can really get down to. One of the things that I struggle with when I'm looking at a tree you had the post on the vigorous growth, how to identify this. Even now looking, uh, when I look at a tree, yeah. especially conifers, 
like a juniper and you're looking at the growth and I saw in your post the pictures of the different junipers and how to identify that. And I went out and I tried to look at a juniper and I still couldn't see it. And I'd just like to really look, like, how do you see, like, maybe it just comes <laughs> with time, but how do you see this? How do you see, how do you notice if a tree is healthy? Well, that's an awesome question. And the shortest answer really is familiarity with the species. So I'm very lucky in that I came to bonsai growing up uh, where the family business was a retail nursery. And so I'd worked for the family business for years and I kind of took for granted the absolute basics of tree health. I used to think that the bonsai people worried far too much about little details. And now I'm one of the people telling everyone to worry about the details. In terms of juniper specifically, if you see green foliage and no brown or yellow, you think, great, the tree's healthy. If you see that it's growing, you think, oh, good, it's growing. Because not, uh, green isn't necessarily the best thing you're looking for. You want green color, but you also want to see evidence of new growth, particularly at different times of year. And when you see those elongating shoots at the ends of the branch tips, that's how you know the tree's happy. It's getting all of the sunlight, the appropriate water, and the nutrition it needs to invest its resources in producing new foliage. So the tree is giving you the feedback. Yeah, and every species has its own tips. Um, pines are one of the easiest ones to read in that the size of the needles and the buds and the numbers of needles and buds tells you how happy the tree was last year, how happy it is this year, and how happy it thinks it's gonna be next year. It just telegraphs all of that. and so. As you learn the different species over time, you'll find that you have a better sense of uh, whether or not the tree's betting on the coming year being a good one or not. Like with all things in bonsai, it's just about time, I guess. Eh? And familiarity and lack of cheat sheets. Honestly, if there were more articles, it would just say, here are three different junipers. This one's a little bit healthy. This one's a little more healthy. This one's going crazy. I think if we had more resources like that, or if more people talked about it like that, you'd be able to learn that a lot faster. So you don't need to wait for your trees to die to realize, <laughs> oh, I guess that wasn't healthy. I guess That would be a very inefficient way. <laughs> yeah, very, very painful way of, of learning, I guess. And here's the more common one. A lot of people will come to workshops and they'll say, oh, I'd like to prune my tree, make some deadwood and then wire it all up. And I'll say, I don't think you should touch that tree for the next six months because it's not healthy. And they'll be very surprised. And they'll say, well, the foliage is green. And I'll say, it looks like it hasn't put on new growth in the last two years. What's going on with it? And then you start asking questions about the soil, the sunlight, the fertilizer, that's really at the heart of where the list came from is I wanted people to be able to go take a class and be effective right away. And so I thought, here are some basic techniques you need to take a workshop. Here are some telltale signs that will help you figure out if your trees are ready to be worked on. Fantastic way of looking at it also is just keeping it simple, I guess, is also the priority there. Hey? So do you have classes as an option where you live? I do. I'm, a, I'm in Israel, so we've it's a small place. And I actually study with uh, Ufa Grunwald and he's, he's been, I've basically got very lucky and in the beginning found him quite early working on a juniper now. And one of these things was the vigorous growth that you were talking about and removing the old growth. And even after I'd been sitting on the tree for three hours, I was still struggling to see between what's the old growth and what's the new growth. It's building up that familiarity with the tree. It's amazing how fast time flies when you're actually working on the tree. I'll go up to him for a day and I'll get there in the morning. I'll be working on the tree and it's already afternoon. And I'm, oh, that's great. Where did the time go? Which is, which is fantastic. 
But coming back to the list, the repotting. We've gone through a little bit of a repotting season now with the conifers and little window between now and springtime when we'll start repotting the deciduous. And one of the smartest things I saw in this whole list is measuring the wire. How did you come up with that way? It just seems so obvious, but how did you come up with this ingenious way? Maybe you can just explain it firstly and then... You know, my teacher taught it to me and I'm sure his teacher taught it to him. Um depending on the shape of the pot you're using and the technique you use for tying the tree down, there's simple ways of remembering how to figure out how big the wire should be. And so a lot of teachers will often focus on just one or two approaches. I actually use a whole bunch of different ones to be as effective as possible, given the state of the root ball and the state of the pot. So very simply, the one you're talking about is if you're using a wire to kind of make a loop all the way around the root ball and secure it in the pot, you typically measure the wire by using three sides of the pot for the length of the wire. And that would be two long sides and one short side. And if you have a full-size root ball, that'll typically just happen to be a really good starting point length for your uh, wire, your tie-down wires. <laughs> you definitely saved me lotted wire that's for sure i'm i'm really glad i found that because i was just eyeing it eyeballing it in the beginning and then cutting wire and then in the end you have to like remove so much wire again so it's such a fantastic tip and i'll definitely link up to the article in the show notes post it because it's such a great resource on that page you've also got resources for how to grow black pines which is obviously in the bonsai world i think that's one of the one of the top trees that every bonsai enthusiast wants to have in his garden is, is a lovely little black pine how did you come across this way of also growing the black pines that had a very concrete beginning is i always grew up enjoying japanese gardens and pines are prominent features of a lot of famous japanese gardens in japan and elsewhere in the world and i remember when i first started bonsai asking why are there not more pine bonsai around? And the answer I received was, we can't import them into the United States. And so then I very quickly did the math and I thought, well, if we don't start growing them now, we'll never have them. And that's kind of silly, but that's what started me off uh, growing trees from seed. And the very first year I started bonsai, I planted seeds within just a few months of getting going. And have now um, some of my oldest trees are 28 years old from seed. I also ordered 2000 seeds. I just put them in the fridge, so I need to start planting them now. That's uh, Again, I found your website and it was just such a wealth of information. And I just want to say thank you for that, if I've got you on it. There's so much information out there. And I see like on a weekly basis, you're putting out more and more information, which is brilliant. Yeah, I think I'm up to around 1,200 articles on the website now. And I still feel like I've barely scratched the surface of the good topics I want to cover or more effective ways of conveying that. Because it doesn't matter how much is there. You just, you want to get the information you're looking for when you need it. And that's the part I'm always trying to figure out. You mentioned your book. Where else do people, like as a beginner, find where to, where to learn, like correctly at least? Probably the most important thing I can say on that topic is that I sympathize with all beginners who find this challenging. It's probably the number one question I get from people getting started is, how do I know that I'm looking in the right place? Or I looked online and found three answers to the question, how do I know which one to try? If you don't know what you don't know, you're not going to have the ability to evaluate. You just won't have the criteria you'll need to evaluate which of those approaches to try. And that's where whenever possible, starting with a teacher, a local teacher is probably the number one thing I'd recommend. We do have good books, websites, and videos that people can you know, enjoy, but we don't know if they're going to apply 
apply to a certain time of year or a certain climate or a certain species. And that's what someone local can help us out with. In terms of finding someone local, I always suggest look at their work. And if you find their work beautiful and inspiring, then that would be an awesome person to start with. Now, that does no good at all for the people that don't live close to nurseries or teachers who can help with that. And then I'd say that's where community can come in handy, whether it's finding someone whose input you appreciate online, whether it's the resources they wrote or just someone you found on a forum or in comments or wherever it happens to be. And you can start to triangulate your information a little bit. I mean, I've got my you know personal favorites of where I go for information. I will say there are no obvious shortcuts to tell people, oh, just do X, Y, Z and you'll find the right spot. I mean, what have you done so far? Well, I got lucky again in Israel. There's I found a group on Facebook, and then I went around to the different. Uh, we've got two bonsai shops or nurseries that teach, and then I was listening to a podcast. I think Tony Tony Tickle they have the podcast, and Offer was one of the guests on there. I reached out, and he's up in Jerusalem. I went up, and we sat down for two hours. We had a conversation. He showed me the trees in the garden, and it was just brilliant. I was like. Okay, I know who I want to learn with, and that, and like you say, if I was, I've been very, very lucky. Mm -hmm. um, I have to say. So try Facebook. I mean, most people are looking on Facebook. Again, maybe listen to podcasts. Reach out. One thing I found truly amazing in the bonsai world is that people want to help you succeed. It's been so brilliant. Like people will be like, yeah, take a tree. I'm going to help you to try and keep it alive. I've met so many people that have just been like, yeah, come and visit my garden. Invited me in. As you know, we're not living in the best times to be sort of going around with strangers with the, with the pandemic and everything. But people have still been like, yeah, come on, have a coffee. We sit and they show me the trees and I just, I just want to, uh, I'm like, okay, this is, this is great. There's such a nice community and, and this is like a really small country. So I've been very lucky in terms of finding the community, finding the right people. And you know what? The bonsai world globally is also small. I, the first time I went to a bonsai exhibition in Europe, I was standing in line to get in and the person in front of me in the line just turned and said, are you Jonas? And I said, yes. And it was a guy who we'd been chatting online. Um, he's also from Israel, a friend of Ofer's, and we uh, hit it off right away and have been in touch to this day. And so I've had that happen to me actually in a number of countries. In Japan, I'll often be walking through an exhibit and someone will, will bump into each other and realize that we'd already connected online, for instance. It's, it's, it's a fun community of pretty nice, generous people for the most part. You've been in it for over two decades. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you've obviously seen that change of how things have moved online and maybe become a little bit quicker. Yeah, it's night and day different. And like you said, it's so much easier to find information. And it's, it's, it's a good problem to have that people are finding it challenging to wade through the information because it's true. Back in the day, your two options were find a garden find a book in a library or find a local organization. Those were kind of the options for getting started with bonsai originally. And that worked well. We have a lot of trees with great you know, provenance around the world and that's how it was done, very community focused. Now people can engage with bonsai on their own. And that's a really interesting new trend because people can find teachers and find resources, kind of do it on their own 
And I think it's radically accelerated what people can expect from their collections. Um, I've seen people, I have several friends actually, they're just two years into bonsai and they have spectacular collections because they immediately developed the eye. They uh, took a liking to it. They did a lot of research. They found out what they like and didn't like and focused on it. And I, I would not have expected that from most people after 10 years before. And now even after a year, I can be impressed with their results. It's really exciting to see it, actually. So there's hope. There's, there's, there's hope for me then. Oh, there's always hope. Lots of hope. You're working with Ofer, and that's a fantastic starting spot. Well, I want to say thanks uh, for coming on today and sharing this information. Again, I'm going to put all the links in the show notes as soon as the podcast is uh, posted. Is there anything that you maybe want to plug or anything that's going on that's, that might be coming up in the coming year? Yeah, later on this year, uh, friend Eric Schrader and I are hosting a bonsai exhibit. It'll be a regional show uh, known as the Pacific Bonsai Expo. And the idea is to put together the absolute best quality exhibition that we can. And so our submission period just ended or began a couple days ago, and we're starting to see submissions from all over the West Coast. And so we're very excited about how the show will shape up. That'll be held in the San Francisco Bay Area in Oakland, California on November 12th and 13th of 2022. All the info will be at com. Can people find you on Instagram, any, anything else there where people can maybe go and see some of your work? Uh, yeah, just at the website, uh, those many articles on there is probably the best spot. I actually use Google to find my own articles because it's <laughs> a lot to wade through. And somehow I remember just about every article I wrote so I can find it if I know what to, what to Google for. It's kind of fun. I just want to say thank you very much for coming on. And hopefully in the future, we'll either meet up at one of these, these bonsai conventions. We'll see what's uh, going on in the future. And maybe I'll show you some of my trees if you might find your way over to Israel one day. That sounds fantastic. I can't wait to see what your collection looks like at the two-year mark. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much.